On this episode, we talk about the state of the United States. Tristan and I talked about the ongoing election, the mess that it is right now, and we talk about several different results from key states, the different scenarios that could take place, and most importantly, we talk about why the U.S. needs to abolish the Electoral College. Where do we start? Uh, incredible. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of like the U.S. elections just seem like peak stressful turnout. Like, I think exactly what everyone was uh, hoping wouldn't happen, happened. It was much closer uh, than the polls indicated. There's another systemic polling error in the favor of Trump. Donald Trump and his family and his uh, goons are declaring victory. They are saying that it is their supporters are being disenfranchised without explaining how and uh, have already started to say that they've won states which they haven't and are now asking the Supreme Court to do a bunch of stuff, which, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So uh, definitely not that beautiful scenario we were thinking of like five days ago where everything would be called by like 10 p.m. on Tuesday and we could just go to bed happy knowing that the uh, most powerful country in the world is still a functioning democracy. (laughs) that's how I see it. How is it on your end? I didn't think it was going to be a landslide for Joe Biden. I didn't think it was going to be a landslide at all, but the fact that it's now, it is close. And the fact that Trump is using his rhetoric to undermine the elections process is kind of scary. And so, yeah, I guess we, we just have to wait and see what happens. I don't even know where to begin, but I, I think one of the major opportunities in all of this is uh and i and i want to get your opinion on this the the national polls versus the electoral college so i think that's the uh that's definitely the one caveat i mean everyone has weird election systems here in canada you know we're always harping on about uh electoral reform um so what happens in the united states is that the popular vote doesn't matter at the national level. What matters is essentially the popular vote in every single state. This is where you come into the system called the electoral college system, where every single state is allocated a certain amount of quote unquote electoral college votes, usually largely based on their population size. Um, And uh, you have to get at least half of these votes to win the presidency. So there's 538 electoral votes and 270 are necessary to win. The reason why the electoral vote was started in the first place was that basically after the Civil War, I believe, but when the uh, the American Republic was created, they were worried that smaller rural states that had smaller population, he sort of disenfranchised if everything was done through a popular vote. So first of all, it, it is a very weird system. And that's the reason why we have to wait, because as of right now, we already know that Joe Biden has won the national popular vote. He'll probably win the national popular vote by a higher margin than anyone else in history, given the high voter turnout. And we already know he's won that. But the reason why we're waiting, and you know, right now is Wednesday, the, the election, and likely going to be waiting all the way up till Friday, is that it's really down to the wire in terms of who is winning or going past that magic number of 270 electoral votes as we wait for mail-in ballots mostly to be counted the Midwestern Rust Belt states of Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, as well as right now, there are waiting results in Nevada and Georgia and North Carolina. 
So that's kind of like the weird part of the electoral college. Is that something that you, you know, kind of knew about coming into the election, this electoral college um, sort of situation? It is. Yeah, it is something I knew about and not a lot of people know about it, but I feel like I'm of the mindset that we need to abolish the electoral college. <laughs> Seriously. And, and actually, this is something that has been brought forth to the Americans multiple times. In 1967, 58 percent of U.S. citizens favored the abolition of the electoral college. And in 1981, 75% favored the abolition of it as well. And recently, NBC and the Wall Street Journal reported that 53% of Americans would prefer a direct popular vote. I don't know, I, to me, it kind of seems just undemocratic. Um, and... Uh, literally, like <laughs> the majority doesn't win. <laughs> it's literally undemocratic. <laughs> yeah. And it, it permits the election of a candidate who does not have the most votes. It definitely takes us back to this idea that a lot of democracies in Canada included um, are in part run by ideas and legislations and rules that were created by old white people in like the 17 and 1800s. And, um, and those rules stand today. And I think, you know, just very briefly, um, regardless of whether Joe Biden wins the the, the the presidency and i think i want to be clear that at this moment he is still favored to win he has the most uh options to get to 270 in terms of the remaining uh votes donald trump has has the least and that's something important that's why that they're you know his trump and his team are starting to you know cry wolf but one of the sort of subplots that's going to be left behind is the fact that the democrats have now also lost their chance to win the senate they had a 75 percent chance of winning beforehand the Republicans will continue to have a disproportionate advantage in the Electoral College, being able to win the presidency without winning the popular vote or even coming close. And they have a advantage in the Senate because they're just more rural states that naturally vote uh, Republican, despite having a much uh, lower cumulative population than the amount of Democrats in the country. So it's a yeah. very unequal system. There are literally so many flaws in the system. I don't know if you've heard of gerrymandering, but gerrymandering is essentially this sort of mechanism that allows states to change the county lines and, and the boundaries to benefit the party that's in power. And so the Republicans in 2011 redrew the county lines in favor of their party, hence screwing up the electoral college and making it skewed. Right. So there are just there are several different sort of elements of the U.S. political system that is just not working. It's corrupt. It's not for the people. It's about who has power. It's about who can manipulate the literally the, the borders and the lines of of counties and, and towns so that they can have a, a power grab, essentially. I think that's a you know, that's an interesting discussion about the sort of structural nature of the sort of power systems in the United States and, and yeah, how they can sort of you know be abused by the different parties. I think it's important to have a little discussion about the way that this election night played out in terms of like results. Cause you know, I'm going to be honest, it didn't go as I expected. How maybe, you know, run us through sort of like your emotions throughout the night as you were watching the election. I don't know. I, I it's still happening. So I don't, I, it's hard to identify the feelings or my emotions. It's just, 
waiting, uh, waiting to see what happens, waiting to see, you know, if there is a smooth transition. Uh, I think that's been my whole thing is like, will there be a smooth transition? And so far with the words that Trump is using, I think it's indicating that there probably won't be. Um, what I was really impressed by was the, the youth vote and the, the turnout and the, the percentages of, of young people, especially between the ages of 18 to 29, who voted for the Democrats. White youth, 53% uh, of them voted for the Democrats. Latino youth, 75% voted for the Democrats. Asian youth, 83% voted for the Democrats. And with, within Black youth, 88% voted for the Democrats. So it's clear that the younger generation is not, you know, messing with Trump. They want to see a shift in power. They want to see new leadership in the country. I was really proud to see that. I was really happy to see that the, the younger generation voters between ages 18 to 29 are in, are in full support of the Democratic Party. Um, but I'm, I'm worried to see what happens if Biden wins and, and passes that 270 electoral college point mark. Um, will Trump concede? He's not a guy that concedes to, to anything. And, and frankly, he's not a guy who's used to winning. And I think that one of the issues of the way that this has sort of turned out with this pretty substantial polling error at this point, Biden still does have the most options to win. But had there been, you know, a landslide victory in, in the way that some people were sort of expecting, I think it would have been much easier of a pill for Trump to swallow. Whereas now, you know, we're in the situation where this guy is sitting at the White House with all his sort of yes men and close supporters who just validate him. And at the beginning of the night, frankly, by 10 p.m. at night, it was really looking like 2016 again in the sense that Trump could pull it off. Later on, Arizona was called, it was a controversial thing, but Arizona was called by Fox News for the for the Democrats. It was their first pickup of a Trump state. And that kind of changed the race and, and really forced everyone to wait um, to see what was going to happen in these sort of Rust Belt uh, states of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Um, but basically, all that to say was that, you know, Trump was thinking, oh, I'm going to win this again. And then suddenly, you know, being told, rightfully so, that it's not over yet. And actually, most signs are pointing to you not winning again. Him trying to handle that, his ego trying to handle that, I think is going to be very tough. And so we're already seeing him and all his subsidiaries saying all these votes that are being counted late are fraudulent, like he's been pushing for months. Um, basically, you know, everything that, that we feared has taken place already. And it's just kind of like this, you know, America just kind of being this vulnerable pool of gasoline and Trump's out here throwing matches yeah. um, to, yeah. to, to, to save it. And I think, yeah, and I think it shows an interesting juxtaposition in the sense of me being a bit of a poli-sci nerd, a total poli-sci nerd, and, uh, you know, being really interested in like the nitty gritty, the numbers still trying to see, okay, where are these going to fall? What are the democratics, demographics that are changing? Whereas I think you're very right. The big picture is that, you know, forget just the next few days, you know, we're potentially going to be in a position where Joe Biden wins very slightly because of, you know, mail-in votes coming in to sort of save him at the end, um, which is what John Trump has been trying to sow doubt about. And then we have this basically two and a half month, what's called the lame duck period, where Donald Trump is still the president. He still has the powers of the presidency, but there's a, there's a transition that is supposed to go on, um, whereby if Joe Biden were to win, he would then be inaugurated uh, at the beginning of January. And for the entire history of the United States, this peaceful transition of power has taken place. The incumbent has been very helpful as Barack Obama was for Donald Trump. Um, 
And, you know, frankly, that's just not going to happen this year. And that puts us in a huge position of uncertainty. Um, and even so, you know, as Canadians, just being north of the border. Um, so it's, it's very interesting. Um, yeah. What do you feel? You, do you feel like you have any takeaways from like a Canadian perspective and sort of how this might relate to, to us? I mean, you know, we like to think we're different to the States, but from a demographic standpoint, we're not that different. So I think America, no matter what the results of the election are, I think America is going to have to reconcile with the way it votes in its leaders. It's going to have to consider whether the electoral college should stay or should go. Um, and I think this because, you know, at the end of the day, the electoral college is making will make it harder for Trump to concede. They should be pushing hard towards abolishing the electoral college. Um, and I think for Canada, the main lesson here is, you know, our, our current government has made promises in terms of how we're voting in our leader. Um, and they've made promises to change that and they haven't changed that. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think the government needs to consider what do the people want? What's gonna work well for the democracy and we need to start making those big systemic changes that allow the people to truly decide who they want to be the leader um, so that this isn't, you know, that we're not in a position like this ever in Canada in the future. Yeah, I think you make a very good point there. But frankly, I'm, you know, I'm totally on board with that. You know, I think that this U.S. system, going back to kind of what I said originally in that, um, since since, well, you know, since George Bush Sr. in 1988, it's going back quite a long way. Uh, there's only been one time, one single time that the Republicans have won the popular vote. It's 1988, one time. Uh, and that was 2004, George Bush versus Kerry. Um, and this is why they're not trying to get rid of the Electoral College is because they have exactly. the power <laughs> and they've they've used the power that they do have through the Electoral College to gerrymander and to make sure that the votes that go in within counties work in their favor. Um, so, yeah. you know, and at every is, level, you know, it's not just yeah. not just the federal level. It's at the state, you know, statewide level in terms of like the judges that they appoint at the, you know, in terms of like scuttling the Supreme Court nominee in 2016. Like Republicans are consistently in a position where they they take every inch of power they can use and they they use it not for the good of the people, for the good of reelection and cementing their position within, you know, within power. And um, and that makes it extremely difficult for these kinds of things. And so while like, you know, abolishing the Electoral College, you know, it came up quite seriously in like the 1970s, as you said. What's so important about how it relates to Canada is that, you know, people in Canada recognize the fallibility of the first past the post system that we have here right now that allows, you know, a party, for example, the 2015 Liberals to have, you know, 39 percent of the vote and have 100 percent of the power. Um, and the reality is that, you know, for them, that works. And obviously in 2015, they, you know, Justin Trudeau stood up. He said, this is going to be the last election, first past the post. We're going to make those changes. And they didn't because they saw, okay, actually, why should we make that change if like in this moment in time, having the first past the post system is going to benefit us. But I think that what they need to see from what's going on in the States is that if you mess up that opportunity um, and you put yourself into a position where you say, okay, for personal gain at the time, we're not going to make these structural changes for the good of the people, you might get yourself into a position where the U.S. is right now, where structurally in the way that polarization is, 
it's going to be very difficult for them to make those those changes right now. Um, and I really hope that this is something that can lead to sort of renewed calls for Canada to to look at um, voter reform, um, you know, safe democracy where we don't, you know, elect authoritarians like Donald Trump. Amen. It's depressing, though. It's really it's really depressing, you know, and the fact that, like, again, you know, with there's so many different angles to think about. You know, you mentioned your concern is the transition of power. Uh, my concern is still just like, are we going to get to know who won? It's really, really sad that like the entire world has to be um, so closely concerned with this election because the results can directly impact so many different people around the world. Uh, and so the fact that these results exist within an ecosystem that is fundamentally broken as a, as a democracy in terms of how it elects its leaders um, and just the, the sheer amount of people that are voting for someone like Donald Trump so scary and and reckless and self-absorbed as an individual it, it's it's really concerning um and there'll have to be small victories going forward obviously we hope joe biden wins um out of other things you know for the sake of our climate but this has done nothing to soothe any of the concerns that i had about the direction of america coming into this election yeah and the, the other thing for you know folks to consider is um there are a lot of people in America who are voting for Biden, but don't like Biden. They're voting in the party because they know that Biden has people in his camp, people in his team that can make better decisions than Trump. Um, the other thing that the sort of the electoral college really messes up is it, it sort of it reinforces the idea of having a two party system in the states. Right. And so I think, honestly, for me, my you know, for a democracy to be, you know, I think fruitful and, and diverse, like you need to have more parties involved. You need to have more, more opinions and more options for the people. Because right now having, you know, Democrats and the Republicans, there's not much that's making them different other than who the old boys are in the, in the, in the party and who they're getting money from. Americans need to grapple with that. Um, and I think some serious electoral reform needs to happen. Uh, so for me, my, my honest to God, I'm launching a collective action campaign. It's going to be in the link, the description of this podcast to abolish electoral college and in whatever state you are in, in the United States, you can use the tool and this tool will send a direct uh, email to your local representative uh, urging them to abolish the electoral college. You want to make America great again? You know, it's abolish the electoral college. Um, yeah. And I, I really, frankly, love the point you made there. Um, you know, this two-party system is a mess. Um, and especially, you know, a lot of people talk about the Overton window, this idea that like, as um, in a, especially in a two-party democracy, as one party shifts much more further to the fringes of their ideological beliefs, they drag the opposition party closer to the center. They yeah. normalize, you know, crazy shit and, uh, and, and, you know, and sort of make other parties in with it. And that's totally what's going on in the States and the Democrats are just these lambs that are being led to slaughter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I, and I think that if there's a point that I can sort of close on here, uh, you know, it's to emphasize that like this pandering to centrist is, you know, absolute bullshit. And, you know, the, I'm sure some people would have seen, you know, on Twitter, if, um, if you're following the U.S. elections, this Lincoln Project group that you know is making ads and you know consistently saying, "Oh, okay, we're gonna, 
you know, we're going to receive hundreds of millions of dollars in donations and make a bunch of ads that are focused towards getting, you know, like soft R Republicans, centrist Republicans who don't like Trump to vote for Joe Biden. They totally failed. The uh, Republicans voted more strongly for Trump than they did in 2016. Um, The center was not there for them. And, you know, the Democrats spent this establishment Democrats spent the best of the last six months trying to tell the people uh, that the progressives wouldn't be able to win. Uh, you have to pander to the centrists. And, uh, you know, frankly, that failed. And it failed in a sense where, you know, the, the identity of the Democratic Party right now is anti-Trump. It's not policies. It's not progressivism. It's not solutions that can fix our world. It's literally Donald Trump is terrible. And yeah, he's terrible. Um, but like that, that's not enough. And, you know, I think that the fundamental failure here is that their entire campaign was around convincing them that, you know, Donald Trump was terrible, but they failed to convince people in the country that the Republicans were terrible. And I think it's putting us into this very compromising position. And uh, so I think the lesson is here, you know, either fix the electoral college, figure out a third party, um, or stop pandering to flippant centrists who do nothing for you. Yeah. My, my final words would be, Shout out to the young Americans. You were voting out Trump. This is going to be a tough road ahead. And if there's something you want to do about the way your country elects its leaders, let's abolish the electoral college. Collectiveaction.ca. Thanks for listening to the New Action Podcast with Alfred Bergeson and Tristan Olaf. We really enjoyed this episode discussing the U.S. mess of an election. Um, <laughs> U.S. mess 2020. <laughs> and we are we are awaiting the official results and hopefully what can be a smooth transition. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, everyone.